Last time I was with you, and I was honored to be with you in chapel, I asked the question, a very simple one. Are you ready? Are you ready? And I want to ask another question today. Do you remember? Do you remember? The truth be known, my thoughts today are a mixture of a personal confession. You'll see that as I go along. I think confession is very important to the soul. Now, how you confess and what you confess, you have to be careful, right? But it's a personal confession mixed in with a call to remembrance for you and I to constantly remember, especially me, for me to remember. I would hope to be able to challenge you as the attendees in person and those streaming to live a life that is Christ-like in your lifestyle, to maintain a focus on your mission, reaching the harvest, and to remember that ministry is a team effort, that we're not by ourselves, that we have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we have multitudes of Christians that surround us. That would be sort of, if you would call it my objective, my heart today. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it reads, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What a wonderful challenge. What a wonderful passage to remember. What a wonderful call to be challenged to. In the very moment, in the very moment you and I repent of our sins, declare and receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, we are saved and we are ushered into the family of God. We have a tendency, at least I do at times, to slam on the brakes, pull off the freeway, pull off the highway, put a period at the end of that statement. Yes, we are washed, totally cleaned in the all-powerful blood of Jesus. We are redeemed. We are justified once and for all, exclamation mark. But the story doesn't stop there. I'm convinced that we are simultaneously called and that we are simultaneously required to serve as ambassadors and representatives of the King of King, of our Savior and our Lord. I served as pastor of the First Spanish Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia, 15 minutes from where we have lived for 35 years now. We went there to pastor for six years, we would think, at least, and ended up living in that area for all these years. That membership of that church was made up primarily of Cuban brothers, Cuban brothers and sisters that had migrated there from Miami, Florida. They had come from Cuba and were living in Florida and felt like they needed to move on. 
and they came to Atlanta. The result was the formation of a church sponsored for the, by the First Baptist Church of Atlanta. It grew and developed, and it was a wonderful church. Pastored there, as I indicated, for six years before joining the staff of the church planning group at the Home Mission Board then and now the North American Mission Board. On a Sunday morning, I was at the platform. I was behind the pulpit doing some things, some fine little preparations that I needed to do for the worship service. Honestly, I don't remember what I was doing but I was making some preparations. When one of our church members joined me at the platform, he was jumping, he was smiling, he was praising the Lord, and he was singing. He was pumped. Wow! I was so impressed. I hadn't seen or heard that much passion from, from the church members in many days, honestly, in many months. And I responded by saying, Hey, brother, give me a high five. Then I said, tell me now, I got to know, why are you so happy today? And he responded, pastor, today I'm celebrating my one year anniversary at the factory. And no one knows that I'm a Christian. I wanted to grab him by the collar. I wanted to slam him against the pulpit, and I wanted to punch him out. That doesn't sound very Christian-like or pastoral-like, does it? And he, he, he heard what I said and how I said it. I don't know if I shouted. I know that some of the few members that were in the church just sort of disappeared. He stammered and he said, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to be showing it at work. He was saying, I don't want to be an ambassador for Christ. And I said in a loud voice, so sorry, too bad. When you get saved and you're born again, when you get washed by the blood of Christ and you become part of the family of God, you automatically become an ambassador for Christ. I would hope you would become a good one. But if you're a bad one, that's sad, but that's a reality. But you are one. I want to say to all of us, we've been born again. We're saved. We're washed by the blood of Christ. And I thank God for what his son did on the cross for our sins. If we receive him, we're born again. But we're simultaneously called to be his ambassadors. Today... You might forget my name, Bobby Senna, one of those strange-sounding names. I am a Senna, saved by grace, by the way. You might forget my name. You might forget my size. You might forget my accent. But I'm asking you not to forget that you're an ambassador for Christ. I know, I know about forgetting I know about not remembering. About 7 a.m. one morning, I woke up ready and excited about traveling to Indianapolis, Indiana for an annual SBC preparation meeting. As the Hispanic point person for NAM, I was responsible for the arrangements and the preparations of the Spanish events that took place at the SBC. I did that for many years.
This is a sidebar. I'll quickly say it. Priscilla and I have always made up our bed as soon as we get out of it. If you don't, that's okay. That morning was no different. All of a sudden, Priscilla said, what is wrong with your face? And I responded as I usually do, sort of craziness. It's the same one I've had, woman, all of these years of marriage. No, Bobby, seriously, she pointed at me. Your left side is drooping. I think you're having a stroke. You can't travel, Bobby. And when she says Bobby that way, I should listen. Said, you need to go to the doctor. Hard-headed Bobby that I am a lot of times insisted, no, I've got a job to do. And I almost sounded like the bionic, indispensable person. I know you never feel that way. I'm going on this trip. I've got to be there. I'm the one. I drove to the airport in my pickup, my little red pickup. I arrived at the gate, and the agent announced that the flight had been canceled. So I said, I better call Priscilla. And I called Priscilla, and I told her what had happened. She insisted that I call the doctor immediately, and I did. The doctor asked me several questions, and I described what I was experiencing in that moment. And the doctor told me to go directly to an emergency room because I was having a stroke. I didn't think of looking around the airport to see if they had some kind of place where they would have people who were sick that you could go and have a nurse look at you. I got in my pickup and I drove 30 minutes to DeKalb Hospital emergency room that's near my house, our house. But that, by, by that time, I was slurring my words, experiencing dizziness, and could not see clearly out of my left eye. After, after several hours there, the brain scans indicated that I had experienced several small strokes and was in the process of having another one. Now, this story has a lot of twists and turns. But let me conclude by saying I didn't lose the functionality of my limbs on the left side of, of my body, my hands and my leg. But I do need to confess that many of the files in my brain's computer were erased and damaged. A lot of stuff I couldn't remember. I don't remember. I wish I remembered. When I laid in that hospital bed, I pleaded with God to allow me to see my children and my grandchildren grow up and to permit me to continue serving him in ministry, not, not as an invalid. I'm not being negative when I say that. Not as one as a vegetable in a bed. But I wanted to serve him effectively in ministry. I knew I needed and wanted to recommit my life and preach the word of God. Again, I want to say there are many things I don't remember. But the one thing I did remember was a small part of 2 Corinthians 5.20. Five words I remembered. 
We are ambassadors for Christ. I remembered that. God had a plan for me to remember that. That was the verse that my boyhood pastor, Oscar Hill, a very uneducated man, but a man called of God to serve and to preach in the best way he could at that time. He taught us in the royal ambassadors about being ambassadors for Christ. Where I heard about 2 Corinthians 5.20, every week we gather together, those boys and young men in that Southern Baptist church I attended for most of my early age until I went off to college. The question this morning is, do you remember? Do you remember? As ambassadors for Christ, we must remember that we represent Jesus. It's an awesome responsibility to, to represent Midwestern. As a director of Hispanic studies here, I have to be so very careful when I'm out in the field, whatever I say not only reflects on me, but reflects on Midwestern. Beyond that, and more important than that, is that we must never forget that we represent Jesus Christ, our Lord of Lords, our King of Kings. Does your spirit, does your spirit, does your attitude, do your actions lift up the Christ so that the world can see his holiness, so that the world can see his power, so that the world can see his love? Or does it cause the very world that we're attempting to reach with the gospel of Jesus to be turned off? If we're going to represent Jesus as he deserves to be represented, we must reflect the spirit of Christ. We must incarnate in our lives his characteristics in and through our sphere of influence. Wherever we live, whatever we do, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a minister of education, whether you're a member in a church, whether you assist in an office, whether you are the leadership of the seminary, we must represent Christ in our sphere of influence. And let me say, that has radically changed when we say community and we say sphere of influence because of the social media platforms. My goodness, that has been expanded and exploded. So we impact people across the world. Our Jesus practiced what he preached. He practiced what he preached. There was a harmony between lip and life and in what he taught and what he preached and what he practiced in his daily routine. We sometimes talk about power. There is power in Jesus, and yet we live in weakness. We talk about and we declare that in Jesus there is victory with a capital V. We underscore it and bold it. Jesus, in Christ there's power. But many of us leave, live defeated lives. There must be. I'm talking to Bob, Bobby Senna today. There must be integrity. There must be transparency. There must be harmony between being and doing. In behalf of all of us, in behalf of the pastors, the seminaries, the entity, the laity, the men, the women, the Bob Senas, 
if we're going to impact our society. Impact our society with the gospel. Plant the seed of the gospel. I typed out a letter. I tried copying it, but it didn't come out very well. A letter that is very important to me. And the letter said on the heading, Robert G. Lee, 1674, Peach Street, Memphis, Tennessee, Bellevue Baptist Church. On 11-29-68, that's 52 years ago, I got a letter, handwritten, no excitement, no exceptions, a letter handwritten from R.G. Lee. Not only did I get a letter, I got a box full of his sermon books, signed personally by him. You say, wow. I say, it was a call to remember. It says, dear Bob, your name is Bob. So we two Bobs ought to make our lives count much for the Lord. Living for him, listen to this, by lip and life. I appreciate much a young man like you who has the goal of youth. Remember, that was 52 years ago. Who has the gold of youth in your possession. Don't ever spend it in the wrong market. Don't throw it away in folly's court. As a young man, remember what God says in Proverbs 84:11. No good thing will be withhold from them who walk uprightly. I hope you will be a young man who will work hard, study hard, and pray often, and always try to weigh 16 ounces to the pound on God's scale. I shall pray for God to keep you and all dear close to his heart of love and underneath his hand of protective care. And he closed his letter by saying, yours for Jesus and the Bible, Robert G. Lee. And then he wrote more later. He died 10 years later in 1978. Great man of God. And I don't read that to say, wow, I got a letter from R.G. Lee. I got a word from God. Remember, you represent Jesus. How you live is important. Lip and life are important. Being and doing is significant. Jesus not only practiced what he preached, he maintained communion with the Father. That's where we're going to find our strength. That's where we're going to find our wisdom. That's where we're going to find our direction. The Logos, the Creator, the Savior, the Son of the living God, maintain communion, a posture of prayer and connection with the Heavenly Father throughout His ministry. His earthly ministry. I had some passages I could read. I'm not going to do that at the moment. He was in constant contact with His Father. He constantly sought and implemented the Father's will. You know, I have the tendency sometimes to prepare a strategy and try to get everything ready, and then I ask God's anointing when I ought to ask God's anointing and then prepare my plan. If he, the Son of God, sensed a deep need for the Father's presence, for the Father's power, for the, for the Father's person, we, you and I, 
regardless of our position at Midwestern, we who are human and fragile flesh and limited humans, we should emulate. We should imitate Jesus by seeking the power and the wisdom and the guidance of our Heavenly Father. When? All the time in our daily lives and ministries. Jesus Christ, the very Lord that we are called to represent, served as a, a real joy bringer. Jesus was a joy bringer. Just ask the blind man whom he made to see. Just ask Lazarus, who he raised from the dead. Just ask the demon-possessed man. No, just ask Bobby Senna. If it weren't for the Lord, I don't know where I'd be. I had a very poor self-image. I stuttered. I was part of that secondary, low-down, ugly filth that lived in a little town that nobody wanted to be around. Ask Bobby Senna how God can take you and change you and your spirit and your self-worth and in your spirit and your person. I want to say to you this morning that joy is more than flashing the white of your teeth, and some of you can really do it. You had such a great smile. It's more than declaring that all is fantastic and awesome. We have that tendency. We float around almost, fluttering our wings and high-fiving everybody. It's all great. No, it's not. Let's be honest. It's not great. There's some tough times and some ugly times, some bad times. But let me tell you what. Joy is having a deep down peace and calmness and assurance that is all is well in the midst of the storm. This pandemic has really messed us up. Tragically, many of us who are serving in the church or planting churches or doing whatever we do, we don't reflect the joy and the peace that Christ gives. And the signal it sends to the lost world is one of confusion. For they hear us preach about love. They hear us preach about peace. They hear us talk about joy. They hear us talk about the joy of the Lord and the Christian life. The Bible says a wicked man falls into trouble. There in Proverbs 13, 7. But a faithful ambassador brings health. Do our words and do our attitude, do our, does our spirit Reflect the Lord, and does it bring joy? A faithful ambassador of Christ brings health and refreshment. You know, I served as a pastor of, a large, of large and small churches, missionary in northern New Mexico as an evangelist and a denominational worker for 55 years now. Sort of tells you how old I am. I remember I would come home from conferences and evangelistic meetings. I was drained. I was tired, and I was not in my best of attitude. And Priscilla would say, Bobby, there she goes again. Bobby, you have been out in the churches preaching passionately about the love of God, encouraging pastors to keep on keeping on. You've been out there encouraging husbands and wives that are in the struggle 
to, to hang in there, keep on going. God is with you. And you've been there smiling on the platform to all of those that listened. Yet, Bobby, hear me, Bobby, when your hand hits the handle of, your, of the door of your house, of your home, you seem to run out of smiles. You seem to run out of good attitude. You seem to run out of encouraging words for your children and for me. Bobby Senna, if you can't minister to your wife and to your family, to your boys and to your girl, how can you in good conscience encourage others and how can you be a witness to the lost? Bobby, I told you this was a confessional. Sometime and somewhere, somehow along the way, I bought into the idea of the private and the public persona. I'm one thing in private and I'm another thing in public. I want to say it as graciously as, as I can. That's a bunch of malarkey. That's a lie of Satan because Christ has called us to live for him, to be a loving, living, powerful, powerful, holy witness for him. As ambassadors for Christ, we must never forget that we represent him. Again, I want to underscore, I'm thrilled to represent the seminary. And that is a high honor and a big responsibility. But more important is to represent Christ. Christians, I have raised the Bible on many occasions just like this. And I have declared that it is the infallible, inerrant, powerful, incredible word of God and that we must believe it and follow it. And yet in my life, I have not lived it. Remember who you are. I've lingered in that area and I will quickly go to the others. Remember what your primary assignment is. Second Corinthians 5.18, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It doesn't say we are the reconcilers. It's him. But he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he has committed us, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The very, the very reason we start churches and we revitalize existing ones and we build buildings and organize small groups and equip and train leaders should be to reach the harvest. Millions are lost without hope and condemned to an eternal hell. I actually had a preacher tell me recently, Bob, you need to find another word that is softer. I said, no, I can't. The Bible teaches me that there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's a lost person and a saved person, that there's a Holy Spirit and that there's an evil spirit. People are lost, folks. They're lost without Jesus and condemned to an eternal hell. 
Never let, let us never lose sight of our divine assignment of reaching the lost, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, discipling them and incorporating them in Bible-believing, preaching churches where they can grow in all aspects of their Christian experience. I love the theme. I love the theme for the church. It's through that church that we reach out to the world. We must never forget what our assignment is. And then I want to close with this. We must never forget we're not alone. We're not alone. When Jesus announced to his disciples that he must ascend to the Father, they were stunned and heartbroken. They felt alone. If I could say it this way, they went up into the upper, bed, upper room and they locked the door. And after discussing for a while what they were to do because they were afraid of the government and all that was coming, they fell on their knees and they cried out to God because they knew not what else to do. And God, our Christ, fulfilled what he said he was going to do. He sent the power of the Holy Spirit. They were empowered, and the room shook, and they were transformed from fearful people into people that were bold with the gospel. But they understood that they were not alone, that the Holy Spirit was with them. I want to say to you, dear student, I want to say to you, Mr. Professor, administration, we're not alone. That same Holy Spirit that you have preached about so many times, that you have taught about, I want to remember, I want us to remember that he is here now in this room, in this auditorium, there where you are watching this by streaming. I want you to know that he is there. He is now here in the person of the Holy Spirit. We are not alone. Remember, Mr. President, despite of the fact we're living in chaotic, incredible days in our world, in our convention, in our lives. Remember, Mr. Provost. Remember, deans. Remember administration, remember professors, remember members of the cabinet, remember student body, men or women. You're not by yourself. In the past months, I have prayed and shared with many students and encouraged many of them to stay with the stuff. Don't give up, man. Sweet lady, don't give up. Because you're not by yourselves. You see, God is with you, and we're with you. One student shared that the new start he had planted disappeared. No one came back. He's contacted them. They're not responding. Another student shared with us and with me by phone that his wife had been diagnosed with cancer and that both of them were down with a covid and that their membership had dwindled almost to nothing, and they had no money. 
They didn't have salary to pay the lights. They didn't have salary to put food on the table. They were scrounging around trying to find others to help them find a little job a few hours here and there. And then he said, Brother Bobby, I don't even know how I'm going to pay my seminary. And I had to reach out and say, you're not alone. We're here for you. We're here with you. Many of them are depressed, and their marriages are in chaos. We've all been impacted. I know what it is to be lonely. I remember as a boy scrubbing my face in front of the mirror in that bathroom late at night because I wanted to be part of the majority culture. I wanted to be accepted. I didn't want to be Mexican. I didn't want to be brown. I wanted to be white. I wanted to be recognized by the other football players where I played. I wanted people to make me be part of them. I scrubbed my face with soap and looked in the mirror after I washed it off, and it was red, but in a moment it was back to being brown. And I was who I was. I was Mexican. I wanted to be part of. I wanted to be accepted. My self-esteem was on the ground. I was lonely. I remember standing next to the sponsoring church pastor of the mission that I pastored at an associational meeting. And he was surrounded by the other pastors. And one of them was rubbing my hair. The pastor was rubbing my hair. You don't do that. But he was doing, he was rubbing my hair. And he said to them, guys, this is our Mexican pastor. He didn't even say my name. He didn't even say Bobby or Bob. He didn't say Bobby Senna. He said, this is our Mexican pastor. I wanted to die. I felt so lonely. But I remember the day I went into Nam. The NAM building after my stroke. And by the way, I had a brother that called me and said, Bobby, I heard that you had a minor stroke. I said, yeah, minor to you, major to me. But I remember after that stroke, I went into the NAM office and I sat down with my supervisor, a fine Christian man. And I said, I'm coming today to resign because I do not believe I can fulfill my assignment anymore. There's a lot of stuff that I've forgotten. I still stutter, I said. He listened to me so attentively, focused his eyes on mine. He took every word that I said seriously. And I knew he was with me. And he said, Bobby, sit right there. I'll be back. And after a while, after excusing himself, in came the... With him, the vice president at NAM, into the office. And then they both told me they did not want me to leave. And with, with God's help and with the rest of the team members working together, we would be fine. Bobby, you're not by yourself. We're going to make this thing happen. We're going to make it. That day, and by the way, I am coming to my closing. That day, I remembered my prayer to God while I was laying in the hospital bed. 
I pleaded with God to allow me to see, remember? My children and my grandchildren grow up and to permit me to continue serving him in ministry and preaching his word. I heard it loud and clear. Bobby, you're not alone. I'm with you. We must never forget as ambassadors for Christ that our lives reflect, should reflect the spirit and the character of Jesus because that's what's going to give us credibility. That's what's going to allow us to build a bridge, to walk across, to plant the seed, and to speak the gospel into the lives of lost humanity. Furthermore, we must never forget that the Holy Spirit and that the family of God is with us in this important mission as ambassadors for Christ. And you and I are not alone.